0: what's cracking youtube what's going on this is b d g e fantasy football and i believe we have the final setup for how i will be presenting to you how i will be coming live doing my featured films from now on already fucked this up watching myself watch you guys we're talking winners we're talking losers of are we still live Mark twice if we are. Yeah, we're talking winners. We're talking losers from the twenty twenty NFL draft. You know, I was gonna have this video done up nicely, edited and produced, but I didn't have time to get it done yesterday. I didn't have time to get it done yesterday and edited. So I was like, "Listen, we we about to do it live for y'all. We're gonna we're gonna chop it up. I'm gonna go through my whole spiel first. All right, as if this was a normal video coming out of the headquarters, and then I will take some." User questions. I will take uh, some fan Q and A's. Tell me I look cute. I'll announce that on air for sure. Get your 15 seconds of fame. This will be fun. So we're going to go over not not the rookies. We're going to go over the veterans. Maybe they're even second year guys. At what year do you consider someone a veteran? I would say like once you're into year three, you're kind of a vet in the league, right? Like you've been through all the rookie hazing sophomore year you're just getting your foot grounded in and then year three i think you're a vet i think you're a vet so i'm a fucking vet on this youtube shit so i'm I'm gonna let this this roll off let's start this let's talk about the quarterbacks I, at first i didn't really know how to do this because i was like how how in depth do i go like okay was calvin ridley technically a fucking winner because there's no wide receivers drafted there no so we're gonna do like the real we're gonna do the real uh fantasy guys impacted from from the draft and we're gonna start with with Gardner Minshew I think because he's he's a favorite of mine in terms of super flex leagues this year at quarterback right he's a guy with a very high rushing floor a guy that we didn't know was going to come into the year with the the starting designation for Jacksonville as their quarterback now there was a lot of there was a lot of speculation there were a lot of rumors uh swirling about that they might actually trade up and try to grab two or one of the quarterbacks here they didn't do that so it tells you for at least the next year Gardner Minshew is the guy there they also drafted Labiska Chenault who is a very very dynamic playmaker and we'll talk about him a little more when we touch on the boy DJ Chark the god the outside winged god who is destined for greatness in 2020 so Gardner Minshew uh, definitely, definitely stonks up. I would have liked them to have invested maybe something into the offensive line, seeing as how they were the ninth worst team in pl- pass blocking last year. He was pressured on thirty-five percent of his dropbacks, so uh, that remains to be seen. But the fact that you know they got a shitty offensive line, he is a mobile quarterback, and he will use that to his advantage when he's under pressure. I think is not a terrible thing for fantasy. So Gardner Minshew, winner in the quarterback position. Dak Prescott, obvious winner. Anytime you could add a guy like CeeDee Lamb to your roster got to do it unless you're the Oakland Raiders. Speaking of the Oakland Raiders, they ended up, you know, they, they took a lot of wide receivers in the draft. They, they have a lot of unique talent on the roster now between Henry Ruggs and Lynn Bowden and Brian Edwards. So Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, whoever ends up being the quarterback for the entirety of the 2020 season, I'd imagine both guys are going to end up getting starts at one point or another. Uh, but I always talk about how uh, a quarterback, you know, those mid-range quarterbacks, we talk about elite quarterbacks in fantasy. We talk about terrible quarterbacks in fantasy. There's a range of spectrums I think when it comes to pure passers, right? There's only a very few number of guys who have that accuracy that you consider, you know, franchise altering accuracy. You know, the guys like Andrew Luck, the guys like Drew Brees, the guy like Aaron Rodgers in his prime. 90% of quarterbacks in the NFL, even if they are the starting quarterbacks, are are not going to have that type of accuracy. So for fantasy, we're kind of left, you know, holding our dick in our hands and saying what do we expect from these guys? I think you look no further than the weapons around them, the, 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 the pass blocking line, the weapons that they're throwing to and the rushing upside. So Derek Carr gets some nice pieces added, but he's kind of proven that he's not a great NFL quarterback. Their old line is good. Um, so I will take a shot on Derek Carr later in drafts this year. But, you know, kind of transitioning from that point is Drew Locke. Drew Locke was not a guy I was excited to draft this year at all. But Drew Locke and this Denver Broncos team are are going to be they're going to be an exciting offense for fantasy because they go out, they draft Jerry Judy with their first round pick. They already have Cortland Sutton. They add Melvin Gordon, who is uh, at worst and above average pass catching back. He's had the volume to show you that he's a very good pass catching back in the league. They add KJ Hamler, the absolute speedster in the second round. And they add uh, who the fuck did they add as their fourth wide receiver? A third wide receiver. They add Albert O oh as another, you know, field stretching tight end behind Noah Fan, who they already have. And then uh why is this slipping my name right now? I think that might have been it. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Albert O. Oh. And they have quilton Sutton already there. Noah Fan already there. Now Lindsay and Melvin make a very, very dynamic backfield. So Drew Luck, absolute huge winner. Again, not gonna have the pinpoint accuracy, but you're gonna be as good as the weapons around you. And I've I've made this point a few times this week already with drew lock with the denver broncos it's extremely clear with the denver broncos with the oakland raiders man they had one thing on their mind how do we match casey's speed we have to fight fire with fire we gotta fight speed with speed that's the only way we're gonna get this shit done they invested heavily in their offensive weapons They're gonna turn. They're gonna turn the dial up. It's not gonna be a run heavy team anymore. I think they let Drew Locke loose a little bit. I think they let him take over the reins and at least pass the ball. You know, last year I think he was. I don't know if he ever threw the ball over thirty three times in a single game. I think the average over those five starts was like twenty eight or twenty nine attempts. And uh, I think we see that very, very much increase. So we're still in the quarterbacks. Obviously, I'll talk about Cortland Sutton a little bit later. But with with Drew Locke, this is a huge, 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 massive upgrade, right? He's not in. In trouble for getting that quarterback spot taken. They're not. I don't think they're going to sign Cam Newton or uh, any of the guys that are left. Andy Dalton or whatever. If they do, that would cause uh, a little bit of concern for me with Drew Lock. If you're investing in him um, in superflex or dynasty leagues, because when you have a, a competent second string quarterback, a backup quarterback, it makes the leash a lot shorter for guys that might be turnover prone. Like two years ago, Jameis Winston was putting up ridiculous stats and then he got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then last year when they had no real backup quarterback, they had no choice but to keep trotting him out there after a 30 fucking interceptions. Right? So that's the problem. It's like you have one three interception game or four interception game and they could sit you, but if they don't have a real backup quarterback, that's never going to be the case. So them, you know, not having an actual secondary choice behind Drew lock makes me very confident that even if when he has his bad games, which he's definitely going to have, they're going to keep him on the field. And Drew Lock is uh is a guy that I'm probably going to be investing in if he starts to drop drop a little bit in value. I'm not going to be investing like high picks into him for dynasty, right? Because I'm a little bit nor- nervous. I'm always I'm always nervous about investing in guys long term who we kind of know have accuracy issues right now. I'm not saying Drew Locke's a bad or good quarterback. I don't know, but but the weapons are certainly fucking there. So you got a guy like Judy, as Animal would put it, it's like uh it's like when you're trying to stick to this. Is, this is how he described um Jerry Judy's separation skills. When you're trying to stick a magnet to the back of another magnet and you can't quite get them together, that's what every cornerback trying to cover Jerry Judy is. They just cannot stick to the guy. So Judy's an amazing separator. KJ Hamler, really, really, really upper echelon speed. I think Denver Broncos fans, you might not know much about Hamler coming out of Penn State, but this guy is is exciting. Imagine like Taylor Gabriel actually being a good wide receiver like that's the kind of dynamic he brings to this offense Courtland Sutton obviously is an exciting possession number one receiver who also excels down the field too so it's not just like Hamler's a specialty guy down the field I think we're going to see a lot of deep ball attempts this year to Sutton to Judy to Hamler um, and then you have over the middle you have Albert O and Noah Fant kind of stretching the field so I'm excited for Drew Locke this year. And then we had the obvious ones with uh, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, who all get their left tackles. Um, Daniel Jones was the single highest pressured quarterback last year on his dropbacks. Pressured on 41.7% of his dropbacks last year. Sam Darnold right behind him, 41.6% of his dropbacks. He was under pressure on. So all three of those guys, all three of them young quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks, face of the franchise, get their left tackles. So um you gotta like that overall I mean they didn't really add weapons to DJ's arsenal not that he really needed it because they have you know they got Barkley they have Slayton they have Golden Tate they have Sterling Shepard they have Evan Ingram so they got a good thing there Baker's got the weapons of course now they got Conklin in free agency they have uh Wills through the draft so they should have a, a, a nice short up offensive line Baker yeah Baker's a guy I'll invest back into definitely not as a top 10 fantasy quarterback but if he starts slipping to you know quarterback 17 18 19 and super flex uh he's someone I'll pull the trigger on Darnold Definitely, definitely less uh or more hesitant, I should say, but less uh likely to draft in Superflex. I I still think his his upside is super high. You gotta understand that I, I'm gonna pull up the numbers now, but I believe Sam Darnold is still like Sam Darnold's still unbelievably young. He is he's 22 years old still. Sam Darnold's 22 years old. So he's got every chance in the world to continue playing for the next 10 years. Uh, they obviously haven't put the pieces around them to make that happen, but Makai then, they bring in Denzel Mims, who I love as a prospect. They did let go of Robbie Anderson, of course. They added Brashad Perriman. Um, as long as Gase is there, they're going to have trouble, which does kind of concern me long-term because um, if Gase is there, then that's just concerning outright in itself. If Gase is not there, then that means Sam Darnold's going to have to start over next year or two years down the road with a new coordinator, a new scheme and things like that. And you don't want to put your young quarterback through all these changes, right? It's what can mess up a career when they're early on and starting. So uh, Darnold, I'm a little bit more hesitant, but the fact that he's still so young and they are starting to build around him a little bit, you, you have to like at least a direction that they're thinking of for the team. In terms of losers, losers. Aaron fucking Rodgers, man. I know you guys have probably heard it all by now. We're like, this is like four days after the NFL draft wrapped up. So if you didn't already know, Green Bay had one of the single worst fucking NFL drafts I've ever seen. They take a backup. The Aaron Rodgers is is set to, regardless of before they took Jordan Love. I mean, realistically, he's got like a two to three year window to make that one more Super Bowl run. I understand the idea of investing into your future as a franchise, but it's like when you play dynasty leagues, it's like, do you want to keep compiling future picks or do you want to actually try to win the league? Like it's really fun to project into the future, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's a fantasy football league and you're trying to win the championship. If if you can have a great roster, you can have 38 picks, but if you're not going to win the league, what's the point of playing, you know? So that's, that's what I'm looking at with green Bay. And I'm like, dude, they got like a very short window to make this run happen to the super bowl. And uh, it does not, it, this this draft said the exact opposite. They did not help me I mean, they had, behind Devontae Adams, their wide receiver group was fucking ugly. They had, this is one of the deepest wide receiver groups we have seen come out in the NFL draft in so long. And they decided literally not to draft one wide receiver. Like any of the top 35 wide receiver prospects in this class, I would have been excited about. Any of the top 35, could have been a fucking fifth or sixth round pick, top 35. I'm cool with that. I'm like, yay, yeah, they got Rodgers and fucking help. They decided not to do that. They took a running back when they already had a good... Okay, when you think of... I don't care if you dislike or like A.J. Dillon, but think of, think of what he brings to this. First of all, second-round draft capital. Like, Look at the other five guys that went before him. Any guy that went in the first or second round, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. The only other running back that went in the second round, A.J. Dillon, one of these things does not belong. AJ Dillon goes in the second round. When again they could have had a really good wide receiver. They could have boosted their offensive line, which is you know year in and year out good or defense whatever. They could have went fucking any other direction besides running back. What AJ Dillon brings to this team, I'm not even sure because he's a he's a, he's a literal zero in the passing game. He his freshman year at Boston College, he literally caught zero passes while having 300 carries. I don't even know how that's physically humanly possible, but he did it. AJ Dillon is incredible. He's elite in that sense. But AJ Dillon, okay, here here's what he, he comes to the backfield. They have Aaron Jones, they have Jamal Williams. I know we think of A.J. Dillon and his fat ass about being a great blocker, whatever, because he's got the size. Jamal Williams has been year in and year out. This is one of the reasons they love Jamal Williams so much. One of the best pass blocking running backs in the entire NFL. So right here, A.J. Dillon is not better than Jamal Williams at pass blocking. Pass catching, obviously zero. Running between the tackles, Aaron Jones has been one of the single best in between the tackles, outside of the tackles, short yardage. go. Aaron Jones literally ran for 16 touchdowns last year there's no reason to strip him of goal line duties maybe they do it but there there is no reason for that pick because AJ Dillon in every sense of what a running back can bring to a team is a downgrade overall sure he might be a good quarterback for the future and I understand y'all it was a future pick because both guys are off their contract but a second round pick into someone you know you you don't know if you're going to be extending Aaron Jones or not for the future of this team when you when you're trying to win right now man I, I I really don't like that pick so Aaron Rodgers, and then third round they go with the tight end when they're supposedly so high on Jay Sternberger. Man, I I don't I don't fucking know. So Aaron Rodgers huge loser. There, I, I will definitely not be drafting him top ten. You know this team wants to be very run heavy. Matt Lafleur came out and said that he's like, yeah, this is a this is a run first team. They're not going to have the pass attempts there for Rodgers, and they certainly don't have the weapons there outside of Devonte Adams. So loser, loser. But when we talk about winners in the wide receiver section, Devontae Adams, man, he like again the the target numbers that he's going to get on a game to game basis cuz they didn't bring in any other weapons is going to be absurd. So, he's been moving up my seasonal rankings, you know, week after week after week because of what we just saw in the NFL draft. I was so sure they were going to take another wide receiver opposite him or bring one in via free agency like a Robbie Anderson type or something like that to stretch the field, but they didn't, which tells me, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Adams have incredible connection already. They have this incredible chemistry whether it's in the red zone or just, you know, between the 20s. It's his first, second, third, and fourth read every single play. So Devontae Adams, I mean, he makes a case to be the wide receiver, too, in fantasy football drafts this year, right? It's clearly Michael Thomas in his own elite tier. But I think right behind him, you can make the case for Devontae Adams over Tyreek Hill, over Julio Jones, over DeAndre Hopkins. For me, DeAndre Hopkins is not even in that tier with those first three, the Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Julio Jones. I don't like this switch over to a new team. But, like, Devontae Adams, I, I, it would not surprise me whatsoever Devontae Adams finished as the wide receiver, too. The overall volume in that offense, though, does does scare me from a passing standpoint. But Devontae Adams, thankfully, has such a big piece of the pie. So, I'm excited for Devontae Adams as a winner. Alan Lazard is the other winner on that team because they did not draft a wide receiver. He had, he had emerged as the wide receiver, too, on that team towards the end of the year. And the other thing, again, like, this is not something I really read into too often. But with the Packers, I do. Aaron Rodgers loves Alan Lazard. The coaching staff loves Alan Lazard. I mean, when you look at Alan Lazard's, like, profile athletically, let me pull it up here for you guys. I don't know where the fuck it is. Alan, where are you, Alan? It'd be so fucking weird to be named Alan in today's day and age. I'm sorry if you're out there and you're named Alan, but, like, uh, it's like being named Deborah. So, Alan Lazard is big. He's a big dude. 6'3", 225. College Dominator, and, and this is the difference between, like, you know, we got excited about Alan Lazard and his athletic profile, right? 87th percentile for weight-adjusted speed score, really good burst score and catch radius. Like, he he, he is the build to be a, that true ex-prototypical alpha receiver on the outside. And with MBS, we're like, oh, the athletics were good. But MBS was terrible in college, right? If you look at Lazard's numbers, he went to Iowa State, so he's in the in Power 5 conferences. College Dominator, 61st. Uh, college Target Chair, 85th percentile breakout age 71st percentile so like he was good in college and he was good at a young age so he checks a lot of the boxes outside of the draft capital but as long as rogers likes him and talks about how he has good chemistry with him and he thinks he should get more on the field i would expect that to be the case so lazard is a is a sneaky sneaky low-key like very big winner in the nfl draft for them not having picked up a wide receiver what else we got let me make sure youtube is up and running still hey easy on the allens i'm sorry Allen. i didn't mean that baby uh let's go with uh DJ Shark, my boy. So DJ Shark, DJ Shark. Uh it, the reason I call him as a winner a winner is because it's it's very possible. We heard so many rumors of Jacksonville they were going to trade up to get a quarterback, they were going to take you know CD Lamb, they're going to take some other wide receiver. It's it's very possible that they did not view DJ Chark as like a true alpha in this offense, and they went and they could have went and signed Ceedee Lamb, or they could have went and or uh, drafted Ceedee Lamb, or or even like a Jerry Judy would make me extremely nervous with DJ Chark there, but it seems that they they waited till the second round, they took Lavisca Chenault. And I think the two are very, very different players in a sense. Lavisca is an exciting rookie. He's someone that is, is built like a running back and runs like a running back when he's on the field. He led the NCAA in broken tackles last year at the wide receiver position, so he's he's he brings a new element to the offense that I don't think takes away from DJ Chark. Like I don't, I need people to understand how good DJ Chark was last year. He commanded almost 120 targets last year. That was while Leonard Fournette saw a buck. He saw a hundred targets last year, and that's not going to happen again. Also, I think D.D., DeeDee Westbrook and Chris Conley combined for nearly 200 targets as well so you're going you're, you're throwing 300 targets basically into fucking black holes over there so i think a lot of those go over to chanel i think chanel comes right in takes over that wide receiver two role makes the offense a little bit more efficient but i i don't think that takes away from chark i would i would project chark to remain the alpha remain like the downfield deep specialist and see a lot of very valuable targets so i i would project him for again you know if, if you don't think he's going to improve on it even if he has the same numbers as last year 120 targets is is no fucking joke that's like top 15 top 20 numbers um, and I think that's probably his floor. So I think D.J. Har came off as a big winner with the fact that they didn't draft a true alpha to compete with him for targets. Um, let's talk about some losers. So the obvious loser here is Michael Gallup of the Cowboys. You bring in CD lamb, who is going to be like, just as talented, if not more talented than Amari Cooper within the next few years. So. The entire situation, and, and there, were, I didn't realize this, but I, in the press conference after the draft, someone, I, I can't remember who, who mentioned it, maybe Scott Barrett. He was on uh, the Breakout Finder podcast yesterday or today or something. And they said that the Cowboys came out and said that they were looking for, you know, obviously CD Lamb was one of their top players. I believe he was a number six overall player on the board for them. So when he dropped to 17, it was a fucking no-brainer smash button. Same, same goes for you guys. No-brainer fucking smash the likes button, baby. Thumbs up button, whatever the fuck they do on YouTube. Um, so as I was saying about my love for CeeDee Lamb, when he dropped to 17, it was it was an easy pick for them. And they said that they were looking for a, a real wide receiver too, which is weird considering Gallup just had such a big year, but that that <laughs> that absolutely crushed him because he becomes by he's like when we talk about tiers, if you want to talk about talent like Cooper and CeeDee Lamb up here. And Michael Gallup's like off the screen in my kitchen over there. So this is a problem for him. Cooper's guaranteed no money past 2021. And I really like Cooper coming into this year. The way I look at it is this this offense. Between Mike McCarthy being a very pass-heavy offensive coordinator, offensive mind, I should say, as a head coach, and Kellen Moore, who kept that pace of that offense up to really, really high levels last year, they're going to put up the number. Dak's going to get his 48 to 5,000 passing yards this year for sure. How that's split up amongst them, that becomes the question. So I think Cooper's play, while his ceiling was really high, it becomes way more inconsistent. So if you were worried about the up-and-down games that Cooper has, this throws even more of a heavy wrench into the equation. Now, Amari Cooper gets um, definitely a downgrade for me, just overall, because I think he'll be a little bit more inconsistent. Those ceiling weeks might not be as ceiling-y, fucking Sistine Chapel-like, like like they might have been before. Sorry for taking the Sistine Chapel's name in vain. Michael Gallup is a is a huge loser, though. He's someone that probably uh, takes the biggest hit of the wide receivers that we were excited about going forward. Takes a big hit in dynasty redraft. He drops down. I would t- I would easily take Ceedee Lamb over Michael Gallup in a redraft now, and he drops to like probably like a double digit pick for me because he doesn't really give you any type of ceiling, and I don't know if his floor is really that good either. Now with all these targets to go around, so he was a big loser to me. Cortland Sutton was a big loser in the same way that you know Cooper was and I think Cortland Sutton is is a phenomenal player and a really good talent and still going to be very good for fantasy he's not going to move that far down my ranks but it's just the overall added weapons to this group Melvin Gordon uh Alberto KJ Hamler and of course Jerry Judy so Sutton um you know when they get into those positions in the game where Drew Locke's like, oh, you know, who, who do I trust the most? Who am I, I going to go to? We're not really sure that Cortland Sutton's going to be that guy anymore. Like, last year on the field, you look at it, it was, like, it was like Cortland Sutton or nobody. There was no one else for Drew Locke to really work with. So when you look at Cortland Sutton now, it's like, yes, he's still – for right now, he's the best wide receiver on the field. I, I don't know if that's the case in a year – when we look back in a year or two and see what Jerry Judy has become – he's such a good route runner he's such a good separator that uh that he might become the guy that go that that gets those go-to targets and Sutton's you know eight to nine target games might more so settle around like the five to six range and uh, maybe I'm wrong about the overall Denver offense too right like what if Denver does continue to remain a very run-heavy team I really don't think that's the case because you could just you could see what they're doing by their moves like the team they're putting together is to push the ball downfield Um, but maybe that maybe for this year they do remain run heavy and that of course just takes more volume out of out of Sutton's hand so Sutton still he might actually drop to a value where people are going to be so hands off of him because of the weapons there that he becomes a good value in a redraft but uh but overall it's definitely a losing situation for Sutton let's talk about some running backs I probably I'm I'm also I'm doing most of this just like off the top of the fucking dome guys so if I miss out on a lot of players I I, uh, I sincerely don't fucking apologize to a single person running backs. We'll get this out of the way first. Like the default winners here are Leonard Fournette and Todd Gurley as much as this pains to say it pains me to say it. Like Jacksonville didn't draft a running back, but keep your fucking eye on Divino Zigbo. If he's on your waiver wire in dynasty, get that get that boy. Todd Gurley, the Falcons didn't fucking draft a running back, which was out of control. I don't even want to get into our draft overall as a whole because this shit's going to make me angry and probably turn off the live stream sooner rather than later. So Gurley, I guess but the thing about like both of these situations are like, yes, they're default winners, but all you heard throughout the entire NFL draft and leading up to it was how badly the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted to deal away Fournette. They, they don't want him to be that guy. They don't want him to be their starting running back anymore. They tried very desperately to trade him away. So that scares me. Number one, but he's going to be in, in line for a monster workload. The thing that scares me with Gurley is they came out before the draft and said that he's going to be a guy in the rotation. They weren't like, yeah, we expect Gurley to be our workhorse. Like They they don't have those plans for him. I mean, it wasn't a big contract that he signed, and they, their team came out. like The coaches and the GM was like, we, we plan to use Gurley in a rotational mode, and that was prior to the NFL draft. So they did draft one, but I still don't see how Gurley— gets more than you know 15 touches a game which could make him a good value but the the offensive line in atlanta is not good Dirk cutter is a horrible fucking offensive coordinator when it comes to having success on the ground so i'm i'm girly i'm hands off of fournette if he drops in value i would i might pull the trigger on it but overall they win because they didn't draft any running backs i i would be surprised if the if the falcons don't end up signing a veteran running back at some point in uh, in this offseason. Like, I was, I, w- I was fucking around, and I tweeted out, like, oh, Devonta Freeman's definitely going to re-sign with the Falcons now, huh? But I also wouldn't be surprised if he can't find a, a role elsewhere, if he can't find a job elsewhere, if we just brought him back in because, you know, this is a short season where we don't have time to fucking teach all our players the new playbooks and things like that. Devonta Freeman comes right back in and knows everything in the playbook. So if he is okay signing, like, a really shitty contract, I really wouldn't be surprised to see Devonta Freeman uh, Devonta Freeman come back to the Falcons And that's just a disgusting backfield You want absolutely no part of and Same thing with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley Winner because they took the O tackle They also took a, a third round offensive lineman Who snacked. Snacks was excited He says oh we got the, the two best fucking offensive linemen In the draft Snacks is dumbass uh, Kenyon Drake I think was another winner I, I really like Eno Benjamin but the fact that he went all the way In the seventh round I mean you just gotta be fucking real With yourself those seventh round running backs it's like once every 10 years, one of those guys fucking hits. So Kenyon Drake is in line for a monster, monster, monster workload, man. They Not that I really thought that they were going to draft a running back, but like they didn't sign a veteran. They didn't draft a running back before round seven. So it's like they're really giving the keys to the backfield to Kenyon Drake and it's fucking wheels up for for Drake season 2020. Same thing could be said for Miles Sanders. Man, the more I think about the situation with Miles Sanders, the more I keep moving him further and further and further up my my rankings in in uh, in redraft and dynasty as well. This is going to be at worst an average offense, if not above average. And Sanders has nobody to compete for with touches outside of like Boston Scott. And I know Peterson wants to use that running back by committee, but last year. It made sense to be weary of Sanders for the running back by committee thing only because Jordan Howard, if involved, would be taking a lot of the valuable work off of that committee like Jordan Howard. I think he what you have like six or seven rushing touchdowns in the first half of the season before he got hurt. Like that's valuable. Who the fuck is taking the goal line work now that Miles Sanders is entrenched as the starter? And they I think they just had a report come out on Roto World actually uh, about Miles Sanders. Let me try to snag that for you. And you know what I love about this new software that I'm using for live streaming? This is why I've been live streaming so much lately because Ecamm Live, E-C-A-M-M, any of you creators out there need a, a live stream software, is fucking magical. Here we go. Because so I could do a quick screenshot, bing, bang, boom, and uh, oh, fuck me. No, we, we Gucci. And this is the report that came out. The Athletic Zach Berman as Miles Sanders entrenched as the Eagles number one running back headed into the summer. We haven't had a blurb on Sanders since the Eagles wildcard loss to the Seahawks. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Jordan Howard is in Miami. Darren Sproles retired. And Corey Clement is a free agent. I believe Clement, uh, maybe he did resign. I forget. I think I saw something on Corey Clement, but Clement's fucking terrible. There's no way he's actually taking valuable work away from Miles Sanders. They didn't sign any free agents or spend a draft pick on a running back. So, it's literally just Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. And, yes, Boston Scott is a good pass-catching back. He's shifty. He's fun to He's fun to think about. But, like, Miles Sanders, it's not like Jordan Howard splitting time with Boston Scott where Boston Scott will be the clear pass-catcher. Miles Sanders is dynamite in the passing game. Super explosive, very good at catching the ball. He's just athletic. So, like, even if Boston Scott takes half of the running back targets, like, Miles Sanders is still going to catch 50 balls plus – the majority of the early down work and the goal line work. So Miles Sanders, if he's, you know, if he drops in drafts, I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to be pulling the trigger a lot on Miles Sanders in 2020. So he came away as, as a pretty big winner for me. For the losers, a lot of running back losers in this draft. So we have the one, obviously, that's on Johnson because DeAndre Swift, who's a more talented back, comes in. I want to preface by saying the, the same thing with on Johnson and Marlon Mack. Both of these running backs are not going to come in and, and and steal all the carries right away. Jonathan Taylor is not going to be the 20-plus touch guy in 2020. Neither is DeAndre Swift. We don't know if DeAndre Swift is ever going to get that under funny fucking running back by Patricia. Um, it's, a, it's a shitty situation, kind of. But here's what I'll say. Carry on and Marlon Mack are both, um, at worst, they're above-average running backs in the NFL, and they're both very young still, right? It's not like... It's not like uh, Damian Williams in Kansas City where, you know, he's getting pushed out for this new, younger, better, fresher, higher draft capital running back, and he's going to be like 28 or 29 by the time his contract is on. Carrion, I believe, is, how old is Carrion? I mean, he's on his third year contract. What is he going to be, 24 or something right now? Carrion's 22, so he's going to be 23 by the start of the season. Mac, I know, is, is pretty young as well. Mac is 24. Um, and he'll, he won't be 25 for a long time. So both of these guys are going to get get done with their contracts. Um, Marlon Mack has just this year remaining carry on, does have two years, but both of them are going to be done with their first contracts and still be viewed as a very capable NFL running back. So that's to say, I believe I talked about this in my rookie video, actually, but that's to say that if you have them in dynasty, like you know you're not dropping them for dead weight they're not nothing to you all right so make sure you value them accordingly because i could guarantee you they're gu- i mean just look at fucking jordan howard jordan howard's been hanging around getting his value fucking plunged up last year he was the starter in a great situation in philly until he got hurt this year he moves to miami where yeah they traded for matt Breda, but like he it, it was best possible case scenario for uh for jordan howard owners so that that's the hope for like a marlon mack or a um a marlon mack or a Uh, carry on Johnson what if what if one of them okay this is a very reasonable scenario carry on or Marlon Mack is a free agent next year he signs with Sam Fran by this time next year, Mostert is not going to be like their workhorse starting running back. I think Coleman's probably got to be done with his contract. Derek McKinnon will be coming off another knee injury, I'm sure. Like if Marlon Mack goes to San Fran at the age of 25, you're really fucking excited for that. But make sure you don't sell them on the cheap because if you're selling them right now, you're getting him for probably nothing. I would look to to hold on to those guys if I could, milk them for this last year, and then hopefully that they sign somewhere for agency where their value shoots the fuck up. That being said, both their values for redraft this year are pretty much undraftable because we have no idea uh, at what point these younger rookies who will take over the the majority of the workload in the backfield will assume that role. It'll be 50-50 splits for both guys to start off the season, most likely. We don't know who's going to get the pass-catching work in Detroit, so both guys take big hits. Darrell Henderson undraftable basically with cam Akers there they used literally their first pick in the nfl draft while they had plenty of holes on the roster especially their offensive line they decided to use their first pick on what they thought was the biggest need in running back and they took cam Akers. so darrell henderson not drafting damian williams um obviously his stock is is done i'm not going to be drafting damian williams outside of like a handcuff what it does it makes a lot of these guys like elite handcuffs which is what we did not have because not only are they just in good situations where if the starter the rookie gets hurt they, you know, they get that role, but we've already seen all these guys prove that they could be good NFL running backs. So like, they're draftable, but don't look at them as anything more than handcuffs at this point. So Damian Williams' stock is is hurting bad, right? C.E.H. was the first-round pick. Um, I don't expect this to be much of a committee. I expect C.E.H. to come in there right away and rip off 16 to 18 touches a game, um, five or six by way of pass, and Damian to be like a breather back. Now with the A.J. Dillon thing, uh, I, I did mention – that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both free agents after this year. This is pretty much a, a death blow to Jamal Williams because, you know, what the only thing I mentioned really was the fact that he's a better pass blocker, but we don't use that shit for fantasy whatsoever. He's not really going to add a dynamic to anyone's team in fantasy that does anything bes- besides that. Now, AJ Dillon hurts Aaron Jones's value in the sense that we don't know what what his role is going to be in the offense. Like You can project as much as you want. I could sit here and tell you that Aaron Jones has been one of the best goal line and short yardage back since he's come into the league, which would be big fucking facts. But maybe, just maybe, they look at A.J. Dillon and think he's thick. Let him pound it in. Let him get the goal line carries. You know what I mean? If Aaron Jones no longer is getting 16 rushing touchdowns and he gets six next year because A.J. Dillon gets five or something like that, right? Uh, That's a huge problem for Jones. So I think just naturally, I mean, Jones will still be a high floor play. I still expect him to get, you know, double digit carries and still probably catch 45 to 50 passes on the year. But don't expect expect those same touchdown numbers. The 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 unknown has to factor into his outlook for next year a little bit. So Aaron Jones definitely takes a hit. Uh, I think this is a massive hit for him in in uh, dynasty because we have no idea where he's going to end up. He could be, you know, he could end up in a similar situation to what I just said, where you know San Francisco might sign him, and that would be fantastic. But again, um, Aaron Jones' value is so high right now in dynasty that this has to be a, a hit to him whereas Marlon Max was not necessarily anywhere near like Jones was almost a second round pick in dynasty where Mac's probably like a fifth or sixth which is why you want to wait to see if you can get that value up where Aaron Jones you know even if Aaron Jones uh signs with San Fran after this summer like you can't you, it can't go any higher than it is now like he'll never be more than a second round startup pick so with Jones definitely hurts the value a little bit more in terms of like trade value Devin Singletary is another loser in my eyes. Uh, I don't expect Zach Moss to come in and like take over the starting role. This is definitely Devin, Z- Devin Singletary's role. But we heard Brandon Bean, the GM, come out already and talk about I – just, I just finished my write-up on Zach Moss in our draft guide, which you guys can go cop right now, bigdogsdraftguide.com. Um, It's on pre-order price still, even though it's not even in pre-order anymore. It's actually launched and live, and you can get all the fucking rookie breakdowns that you want. If you think any of the information I'm giving you out right now is good, then this guide is going to be a fucking Bible to y'all. Again, I apologize for using the Lord and the Bible and Sistine Chapel and all that shit in vain. I did it again. I'm fucking on fire right now. Um, BigDogDraftGuide.com, pre-order price. You can get it even cheaper. If you are eligible in one of the states that allows DraftKings or FanDuel, because we have been sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, the draft guide has been sponsored by Monkey by Monkey. Let me breathe for a minute. Hey, let me breathe for a minute. White Range Rover blowing trees all in it. Okay. BigDogsDraftGuide.com slash MKF. You will be able to get both guides, the Rookie Dynasty plus the season long that will launch in July, which will help you for your redraft leagues, for $10. All you got to do is sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code BDGE. So you'll get $10 to play with on there plus an extra 10 because they give you a 100% deposit bonus. So you get $20 to play with plus the draft guides for free. So it's a $70 value, probably like a million dollar value if I calculate my hourly cost correctly. The math adds up. bigdogdraftguycom slash MKF. I just finished my write-up for Zach Moss on it, and I, I came away with the, from the write-up a lot more positively towards Zach Moss than I did prior to it after doing some research. Basically, the GM Brandon Bean came out and said that like Zach Moss is going to verbatim take Frank Gore's role which is not good for Devin Singletary. It's not bad for Devin Singletary. Like we can expect similar numbers to what he did last year, you know, involved in the passing game, getting 11 to 13 carries a game. But the hopes were that Devin Singletary, just like Aaron Jones last year, would get more involved on the goal line and that would make him a true fantasy asset. So this hurts his ceiling a lot because Zach Moss is going to come in, and he said this: he's like, we want to use him on the short yardage, we want to use him in the goal line, we want to use him just like Frank Gore. Frank Gore was getting double digit carries basically every single week, and he was getting the majority. He had, uh, I believe, the team had 18 goal line carries last year in total. Frank Gore had 11 of them. Josh Allen had five of them. So Devin Singletary was almost useless on the goal line, which means his touchdown numbers are going to be pretty shitty. And uh, Zach, I, I would, I would imagine over the course of their rookie contracts. Both of them are very versatile players. Both of them can be very efficient, uh, but both of them lack long speed and long, you know, like the home run play. I I could absolutely see at one point during their rookie contracts while they overlap, both of them going for a thousand yards from scrimmage, right? Like maybe next year, Devin Singletary goes for 1150 or 1200 and Zach Moss eclipses the thousand yard mark, but this absolutely kills Devin Singletary's ceiling in my opinion, because he's not going to get the goal line work and uh, he's got to continue to be extremely efficient to return. I mean, his yards per carry were like number one in the NFL last year. So he's got to continue that extremely high efficiency rate. If he's not going to be scoring touchdowns, I do think he'll remain very involved in the passing game, but you know, you got to be nervous about that. The other guys that uh, were hurted, by this draft, we're definitely J.K. I mean, uh, well, J.K. Dobbins did did the herded to the Baltimore Ravens backfield. The bike field. We're so bike. J.K. Dobbins, very bike. 103 right now in Dynasty rookie drafts. Also, I know I've been yelling the whole time, but y'all need to stop fucking yelling and tuck your shirts in. <sighs> we're tucked in. We're ready to go. Ready to work. We're ready to talk about J.K. Dobbins killing the value of Mark Ingram, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards. So, um quickly i mean this is very obvious justice hill was such an exciting prospect last year i don't think his dynasty value is okay it's kind of dead but maybe you know he's also young so hopefully he can land somewhere in the second contract where he gets some work he'll also end up probably being you know depending on what they do with ingram ingram is signed not through just this season but the next season they could probably get out of the contract after this one but i expect ingram just like marlon mack just like carry johnson just like that's probably it, uh, to be very involved in the offense still. Ingram was awesome for them last year. There's no reason to just give J.K. Dobbins all the work. Uh, this is also an offense that does not pass to the running backs very much. So, you have Ingram not really getting any passing work, because I expect Dobbins to get a lot of it. And then you have uh, you know just him taking away early down work and being extremely efficient. So, Ingram's value uh, should plummet in redraft leagues. Though, I don't like, listen, this is an offense that's that's going to move the ball a lot. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're going to score a lot. So, ingram if he drops like really low he could still be a guy that you throw into your flex play and probably get a touchdown more weeks than not i don't expect him to get 15 overall touchdowns of course next year but i could i could see him still finishing with like seven seven or eight rushing touchdowns which is you could definitely do worse and i expect his value to probably be like eighth or ninth round in redraft leagues not as exciting as a player that i would usually target in redraft leagues but i think i think it makes sense just given the whole situation that we have in baltimore so It definitely hurts Mark Ingram. Justice Hill and Gus Edwards are pretty much out of the picture because I I expect it to be just a a complete uh, two-man show between Dobbins and Ingram. Tight ends, tight ends, tight ends, tight ends, tight ends, tight ends. So Darren Waller, obviously a huge loser. He was awesome last year. I still think he's a phenomenal football player. I don't think he was a guy who only benefited from the situation, but he benefited fucking greatly from the situation i mean his target share was was incredible given the fact that they had no weapons and the weapons they did have couldn't stay on the field tyrell williams or whatever so waller now has to compete for targets with um tyrell williams if he's healthy hunter renfro but more importantly these rookies coming in henry Ruggs, lynn Bowden, who's actually listed as a running back but i assume will play more of like a hybrid weapon slot and then brian edwards so the target share is automatically going to go down i expect this to be an offense that primarily uh at least tries to establish the run i don't know if they'll be necessarily run heavy under gruden he's more of a passing coach but with josh jacobs you know their their game plan their initial game plan every week week in and week out is probably going to be to run the ball a lot so darren waller comes out as a big loser for me i still think he's a tight end one he's someone that i would draft just based on his athleticism and the big plays we saw him make last year and he's got that he's got the chemistry with Derek carr that uh these rookies are not going to have because again this is a shortened season so He's a loser to me overall. And then Noah Fant, of course, is going to have to take a step back because they add all the weapons. They add another explosive tight end behind him. So Noah Fant, if we were kind of banking on like a breakout this year in the second year, I just don't imagine there will be anywhere near the type of volume that we can expect uh, for him to have that breakout come through to fruition. Whew. Man, I just black out and do those videos sometimes hopefully uh some of that made sense hopefully we didn't breathe uh we didn't pass away hopefully y'all got some good um value from that man why do we have eight thumbs down that's so disrespectful there's someone that comes on to all the videos there's someone that comes on to all my videos now and immediately as they go out there's seven thumbs down there's someone that just signs into seven different youtube youtube accounts and fucking nails the thumbs down it's actually uh I respect it. I really do. It gets me motivated. It does because I'm just like, "Fuck you, F- fuck you, we're gonna battle through." Uh, all right, let's take some questions. Let's take some. Co- I, I, so there you go. I appreciate you guys hitting the thumbs up button if you did get some value or information or whatever you got from this. Um, this that's how you let us know. That's how you let YouTube know that you want to see more of these videos. So thank you guys. Um, also subscribe to the channel if you're new. Obviously. <sighs> okay, let's take some. Let's take some 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 viewer questions. What about your boy Derrick Henry winner? Uh, I also, so I just finished a Darrington Evans write-up as well. Derrick Henry is definitely a winner in the sense that um, they didn't take a prototype back like himself, which would tell you that maybe they're moving on. You know, they're not going to skip a beat from Henry to the next guy. What this tells me, I mean, they talked about contract extensions all offseason. I would I would be shocked if they don't extend Derrick Henry, right? You could look at him as like an older back. He's only 25 years old. And this was the first year that he got workhorse touches, right? So it's not like he's got a ton of tread on his tires. He's still relatively young and relatively low in volume. The first three years he was in a running back by committee. So Henry, I would be shocked if Tennessee does not continue to pay him after this year. I know he's on the tag right now. Darrington Evans is is nothing but a compliment back to Derrick Henry right now. Like we know what they want to do with this offense. It's not even to the point where they want to run the ball. They want they want to Derrick Henry the ball, and that's it. I mean, maybe it was why did he not get the contract extension this year? Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were searching for another running back and seeing what happened in the draft, but my intuition says that, one, they had to give Tannehill a lot of money. Two, they might be still open to the possibility of trying to sign Jadavian Clowney or one of the linemen that were in free agency so um it seemed like they they had a lot of possibilities open with their financial situation that they maybe didn't want to invest into derrick henry when they could just slap the tag on him i do think that they're going to resign him and extend him at some point so derrick henry yeah a winner because they didn't draft like jonathan taylor if they drafted taylor obviously that tells you that henry's out the door next year mario i'm gonna be honest with you i saw the comment you said in the beginning where you said you bet that i would say it once and i forgot to say it and then that comment ringed into my head and i was like uh i was like yeah you know what now i gotta say it so cooper cup woods van jefferson gonna be fire yeah i don't i don't know about i I don't know i'm not i don't have a take on this i don't think uh i think they got rid of woods i mean they got rid of brandon cooks and i don't think they necessarily trust um josh reynolds as their three so i mean they they don't have much on their on their wide receiver depth chart, so it makes sense that they took a wide receiver. But the fact that they drafted him in the second round was heavy draft capital. A lot of people are just saying, you know, this means the end of Cooper Cup. They're not going to extend him. I don't know. We'll see about that. Um, Jefferson didn't run at the combine because I, I think he broke his foot or something earlier. He's also almost like 24 years old, so he's a hella old um, wide receiver coming in, which was kind of the case for Cooper Cup. So I guess the comparisons do make sense in a sense. They make sense in a sense. Love that shit. Love the it'll alliteration on a fucking Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. What else we got? How much is Renfro's value affected by these rookie wide receiver additions? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be massively affected. I was actually really, really excited about drafting hunt for Renfro late in drafts this year, but this, this, it adds too much uncertainty, right? Like I was, I'm excited about CD going to the Cowboys because CD, lands in a good situation right it's like a good offense with good coaches and offensive coordinators and a good quarterback and like they should be high scoring and high pace and all that shit like you can't say that about oakland right you don't know if their offense is actually going to be good you don't know if Derek carr is going to be a shit show like so i i don't know you know with all these other variables and all the weapons there i'm, I'm worried about hunter renfro now <laughs> kareem hunt for the 207 12 man dynasty yeah you can uh m animal what max would you make a fucking burner oh you 100% made a burner m animal and you're asking me do i hold i have the 207 and you're about to offer me kareem hunt for the 207 aren't you uh i would take kareem hunt there what a cunt he just did that what around you drafting ceh in a redraft i would say that i mean you can make an argument for the back end of the first round you really could i don't think there's a good argument against him being a first round pick i would i would feel way more comfortable drafting him in the second round though but i don't i don't think he ever drops past the the second round in in redraft by the time september rolls around you messing with chris carson this year i i don't think so i don't think so um Carson, man, the guy just keeps getting too banged up and they just run him into the ground. Like there's no, there's no, uh, there's no surprise as to why he keeps getting hurt. I really, I really, 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 really like this kid in the fourth round that they took DJ Dallas. When you look at his original profile, you might think that he's just like this thumper who didn't produce in college, but you need to put more context to the background of who DJ Dallas is. One, he does have the size to fit right in with that, that group in Seattle where they want to pound the rock a lot. DJ Dallas was a quarterback, a wide receiver and defensive end in in high school and was recruited and turned down offers from Georgia, four star recruit, ended up going, ended up going to, uh, to, to, Miami where he came into Miami as a wide receiver and someone got hurt. So he had to convert to running back midway through his freshman year. He was also playing behind, uh, Travis Homer and, uh, who's the other running back that was at Miami, Mark Walton. So both of them are not great NFL running backs, but the fact that they had two nfl running backs on their roster at all is is way more than most teams could say so uh freshman year yeah there's no reason for them to give him the entire workload as a uh, as a just converted running back so he has very a ton of versatility as a wide receiver former quarterback running back they used him in the uh in the wildcat a lot just like carry on johnson he reminds me of carry on johnson a lot too the way he's kind of like upright and lean and looks like an athlete um, can catch the ball and was a very very good returner as well as sophomore year punt returns sleep uh, kick returns you love to see that kind of versatility and athleticism so it, he is a fourth round pick so i won't get too crazy about him but I, I i think dj dallas makes an impact sooner rather than later on seattle let's see with there typically being a f- few first second round busts which rb and which wide receiver do you think is most likely to bust so i'll stick with the first round because there's so many in the second round uh i mean the hit rate on second round guys is usually kind of pretty high anyways so first round i could see uh of the top of the top top guys you know of the top the first five drafted that are going in the first round could easily see not easily uh but cam Akers. the situation he goes to is one that's um not ideal for running backs right now because their offensive line is is really poor he's also like kind of a a project running back in a sense he's not like the most um pure runner and we don't know if they're going to use him in the passing game enough you want to you want to project him to have that girly role from a few years ago but they threw to their running backs at the lowest rate in the nfl last year it was like 10 percent. so um if he's just running behind a really bad offensive line and even if he sees a little bit of an uptick in targets who knows what that number could be? So Akers, you love the talent, but the situation is 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 pretty shitty there. I could almost see something where it's like Joe Mixon, where it's like, you know, you're you're praying for that upside by year three or four, right? Like Joe Mixon has given us good years, no doubt, because he's so talented. But like I think a lot of people when they drafted Mixon kind of expected him to be the next, you know, Ezekiel Elliott or the next, you know, like Dalvin Cookish when we talk about fantasy ceilings. So Akers, I could see busting. Henry Ruggs, I could absolutely see busting too, because Henry Ruggs was like uh like from that movie Heavyweights, Josh Burnbound, where it's like, step on the scale, Josh, step on the scale. Everyone gets excited about it. And then immediately they're like, step off the scale. That's how I felt with Henry Ruggs, where it was like really excited that he was the first wide receiver off the board. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy into Henry Ruggs if this is the case. And then they just ended up drafting 17 more wide receivers, which makes the situation murky. So I could see Ruggs being a really good, like real-life player, but never living up to, you know, first-round rookie hype or 12th overall pick type of type of uh, hype. The other one, I got to say, this is going to be a controversial take, and this is one I've been thinking about putting on record for a little while now because this would be a complete 180 swing for the way I've been looking at this guy. But but Justin Jefferson, um, Jefferson lands in a very good spot if they use him correctly. So Jefferson is one of those guys where th- this entire like first-round group is just littered with so much really good talent i think jefferson is a guy who's most dependent on wherever he landed using him the right way obviously brandon Ayuk falls into that but he's not a first round rookie pick in my opinion jefferson is a guy that was okay on the outside as his uh sophomore year but by no means is he anywhere as good as he was in the slot he's not a great separator and that's what scares me. If they keep running a lot of two tight end sets like they did last year with Thielen and Jefferson on the outside, he's going to have to create his, a lot of his own separation. Like who says that they just immediately put him into the slot when Thielen has been a you know a prolific slot receiver and they're not right in, running the many sets where they have a slot receiver to begin with. So if Jefferson does not go in there and start to see 60 or 70% of his snaps from the slot, I don't know that we see enough volume or we see enough separation from him. To to warrant first round rookie pick uh, type upside. And this is a very, very run heavy offense to begin with. So um, I'm not saying I don't like Jefferson. I mean, the, the entire prospect profile tells you that he should be a stud. But these are my personal opinions. And I, I do see probably more red flags than I think a lot of people might be giving credit for zip dip uh how do i access the draft guide after deposit the ten dollars on monkey knife fight and use the promo code okay so this is how that works sorry guys i know there's been a lot of a lot of people um that need to get clarification on that i'm sorry i should have been more um clarifying whatever the the right word would be uh yeah once you deposit on monkey knife fight you'll have the ten or twenty dollars in your account you just have to play a two dollar game uh you have to play a two dollar game on monkey knife fight as soon as you do that I get an email from them letting me know that you did that, and then I'll give you access to it. That email comes to me every day at 2 p.m., so within the next 22 minutes and 22 minutes from now, anyone that has registered using my promo code, on Monkey Knife Fight, from 2.01 p.m. yesterday until 1.59 p.m. today, that's when I'll get the email, and you'll get access within, like, the next five minutes, so um, that hopefully will answer that. the anything the 49ers do in the draft or free agency change where you draft Debo uh man the the IUC pick makes things so odd there for for fantasy but I I feel like I mean Debo's Debo's uh, upside I I think is unreal I want to look at his his game logs real quick I didn't realize just how much he really balled out last year like just how well Kyle Shanahan really fucking used him in his offense um down the stretch he had what three games three games of over a hundred receiving yards he had 20 or more rushing yards in one two three four five six games 30 or more rushing yards in one two three four of those games had a 43 rushing yard game had a 53 rushing yard game and that was in the playoffs but to end the to end the season man from weeks let's see from weeks eight through the super bowl he was scoring double-digit points almost every game it was one two three four 13 games from week eight through the super bowl 13 games he played in only four of those games did he not have double-digit fantasy points only four of those games did he not have over 11.7 fantasy points uh they know exactly how they want to use him man i uh i will be investing into debo this year because i'm not going to bet against kyle shanahan brandon iuke is kind of like A similar player i expect them to use him heavily on special teams and and use him in a similar role to debo samuel but i i uh i really will not be shying away from debo even even if his production comes you know during at weird situations and the way they just get it done gets it done that's just the way the nfl is nowadays you know so debo no i'm not necessarily scared away from him So would my account info to sign into the draft guide be the same I use to sign? Uh, you as soon as oh also sorry yeah as soon as I register you into the system right they email me I put you into the draft guide system you'll get an email you know confirming that it'll say you know this is your username here's your password. So zip just uh, just bear with me within the night you know in in twenty minutes from right now I'll get the email and I'll make sure I uh, I add you to it. What are your thoughts on Jarek McKinnon? Uh, I have zero thoughts on Jarek McKinnon. Did you, uh, did you paste that question in from 2017? Yeah, it's all good zip. I realized I've actually had a lot of people reach out and ask me about it. Cause I guess the video I made on the purchase page clarified it, but I realized that most people just don't watch the video which is fine. I I should know that as a, as a business owner, as someone in the, in the tech space, I have to understand the different, um, barriers to get to the customer to make sure that they understand the process behind it. So that's on me, not on you for sure. Dynasty outlook for Kirk. Uh, I'm not going to get cute and say he's like full buy mode, but I mean, he's still going to be the wide receiver, too, there in an uh, in offense that's only going to get better and better year in and year out. So I like Kirk, but the ceiling is definitely not anywhere near what it could be for being that D-hop is there, of course. What are your thoughts on Preston Williams? Oh, speaking of, good point. Okay, I think Devontae Parker was another huge winner today. I can't believe that was an oversight by me. Um, Devontae Parker, they had a fuck ton of picks. I think they had like 11 or 12 picks and a lot of them very early on in the draft. And uh, they draft Tua, who gives him a—he got that big extension this offseason. They draft Tua, who is now making sure that Devontae Parker is playing with a very accurate quarterback for the remainder of that entire contract extension. They have Preston Williams, but he fucked his stuff up pretty midway, halfway through the season. Um, So with injuries, I I don't know when he's going to return realistically. I fully expect Parker to continue to be the alpha there. Um, he was so good down the stretch. This tells you the fact that they did not invest into a wide receiver. I they might I think they took one or two maybe in like the fifth or sixth round. But the fact that they had so many early picks in a class that was great with wide receivers and they didn't take any tells you just how um just how invested into Devontae Parker they are. So yeah, Devontae Parker was definitely a big, 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 big winner coming out of the draft. Mm-hmm best long-term investment tour burrow uh, I'm, I'm gonna take burrow there he's my qb1 um i, I think you have to love both prospects I, I if you're gonna do like a coin flip then two his health injury history concerns me he's been banged it's not just the hip thing which i do think is extremely serious uh we actually had dr jesse morse on during one of the live streams we did during the nfl draft and he said basically the same thing as, as todd Gurley, where it's like when you have one of those injuries earlier on You pretty much know, you don't know the extent of it. You don't know how serious it's going to be, but you do know at some point down the line that hip is going to be a problem for him, right? He's going to develop some sort of issue or like arthritis in the hip. Could that be when he's 28 and nothing matters for the next seven years? Absolutely. But could it be in a couple of years down the road if he takes a wrong hit on the hip? Yeah, that's also in the case. So if I'm going to break the tie between them two, uh, I would probably take Burrow. T. Higgins or Denzel Mims, Dynasty full PPR. Oh, that is so fucking that is so tough. Uh appreciate you, Steven. Appreciate you, Jonathan. Um man, I'll probably go with T Higgins. That landing spot tied to tied to a coach that I semi believe in, but more importantly, tied to Burrow for his entire rookie contract. Uh, I will I will take T. Higgins because he's going to take over that A.J. Green role, and they already expect him to be a starter on two wide receivers set or uh, when there's two outside wide receivers. So Higgins goes into a situation where he low-key could see good volume, and I think just the setup for his entire rookie contract is pretty nice. So, uh, Rabbit, I'll, I will go Higgins over Mims, but it's not um, – it, it's closer than than people would probably imagine because I like Mims a lot too. Mm-hmm, hmm Mims has a clearer path. Yes, I understand that. But he's also with Adam Gase and in the Jets offense. So Dynasty, we're going to go with Higgins. Who did you have on that has the injury tracker? Was it Ray GQ? Uh, Well, I had Ray on, and then I kicked him off to bring Dr. Jesse Morse on. Dr. Morse has the injury. If you go to Dr. Jesse Morse on Twitter, it's literally just at Dr. Jesse Morse. he's got something he's got a he's got the cheat sheet pinned right now i'll actually i'll uh i'll put it up over over my dumb fucking face right now for you you guys see that it might be too small on youtube but you know just go to dr jesse morse's uh twitter page so it's twitter.com slash dr jesse morse and he has this pinned to the top of his twitter account where it gives you like a, a quick cheat sheet of all the injuries from these incoming rookies So you could see all the things that went wrong with Tua, sprained knee, uh, left quad, left ankle, broken wrist, broken index finger, dislocated hip, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely seems like a little bit of an injury concern. Um, Honestly, yeah, one tip that I have for all of you guys, and I try to say this yearly, like if you're not on Twitter, you're, you're, you're doing fantasy football wrong. There's so much good information and value to be had on Twitter outside of my fucking account, which you could follow right here at Nick underscore BDGE. But if nothing else, create a Twitter just to follow people on fantasy because I'm telling you, that's where their best work is put out. People, you get real time breaking news about fantasy and everyone's input. Any analyst that you uh, like value their input as, this is where you'll get it from, like in real time, quick time. Just make a Twitter. Make a Twitter, please. You'll be a better fantasy football player, I promise you. Ooh. Okay, y'all. Um, that's probably going to be the end of this. Uh, probably going to be the end of this live stream. So uh, I, I want to thank you guys for joining me up until this point. Uh, good luck if you have your rookie drafts this week. If they're starting up this weekend, mine will be starting on Sunday. They're all slow drafts, so uh, unfortunately, I won't really be a live streaming them. But I'm sure I'll break them down in the following week. So, uh, good luck with them. Y'all know you could always hit us up on, uh, oh, you know what? Join the discord too. If you guys are not in, in our discord, which we open back up to be free, we, we initially closed it off to, to, to Patreons only, but I felt like a piece of shit. It just didn't feel right. So we opened discord back up to everybody where there's just people talking 24 seven about discord. I'm going to, right now you guys should do this, download the discord app, but I'm going to put the invite link one in the chat right now. And I'm also going to put it in the comment section right now join our discord boom it's it should be the top comment up there right now i'll pin it for you guys join the discord there's people talking about dynasty trades rookie drafts just nfl in general literally fucking 24 7 the thing runs without me in there which is a beautiful beautiful thing to have so join our discord download the app it's completely free um so if you need help there are plenty of people in the uh there are plenty of people in the discord channel that are just bullshitting all the time And, uh, if you trust me as, as I am building a community here, then you'll trust the people in there. So go join the discord. And, uh, if you haven't copped the draft guide, that would be a fantastic way to support the brand. Of course, during these trying economic times, you know, big dogs is thriving regardless though, big slash M K F. Yeah. Those are, uh, those are snacks uh, tiny little, little legs. Love you guys. Bye.